born to die He might give Eternal life That I might live Then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. Look at the next statement. You see in verse 3 there where she which travaileth hath brought forth. And even though there was a nation, they rejected the Messiah. But there was a remnant that did believe. And verse 4, and he shall stand and he will feed because he's a shepherd. And they were sheep. And feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. Get the last part. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Remember this. Jesus Christ, this Son of God, even though as a nation of Israel may have rejected Him, the Bible says He will be a light to the Gentiles. In other words, the Gentiles are going to believe on this light, this one that was going to be born and rejected by Israel. So here's Israel as the mother God as the father, and they have a son, Jesus, and the mother rejected her son. And so, in a sense, he has been accepted by the Gentiles. And he's coming back one day, and mama is going to accept him because mama is going to be on the verge of annihilation. Unless God the Father doesn't intervene and send the son to take care of all these nations that gathered against Israel. Because that's what's coming down the road. Look at Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. Now he's telling you here about 500 years before Christ. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, and you ought to underline this. Thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. So he's telling them the king is coming. He's coming. When did he tell them? 500 years in advance. You see, God doesn't count time like we count time. One day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. I mean, when you're the great I am. (laughs) Time is important to us because it's the limitations of our life. So in the process of time, this happened here, this happened, this happened, this happened. But the great I am is from eternity past to eternity future is eternal. The great I am. And so he says these things here. He's going to have salvation. Lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the 
a colt, the fold of an ass. This is what he's going to do. He did not come into Jerusalem riding on a white stallion. He came riding in on a donkey. But God says that's what he's going to do. Now, do you think Jesus says, let me see what these prophecies are. I've got to make myself fulfill these prophecies. I don't think so. Look at the next scripture. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which is coming from David, on down the line. And lo and behold, Jesus was born. Which shall stand for an ensign, a sign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. The rest here is, you could say, the rest that you have when you trust Christ as Savior. Now I can rest in what he did. I don't have to do something. But you see, if your salvation depends on you, you can't never let up. You can't never rest. You can't stop because you're trying to earn it. You can't afford to mess up. But see, if you accept it as a gift, well, I can have it. Now I can enjoy life. Well, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I can't go to hell if I tried. I haven't tried. But now notice, when he makes this statement, unto the Gentiles... We are the Gentile. There is not another Jewish prophet that the rest of the world has ever accepted. And if it's not Jesus, then there has to be one yet to happen. It ain't happened yet. But there has been one. And he met all the criteria of being the Messiah. The one that God told all this information about. Because he told them, he says, there's going to be a temple. It's going to be rebuilt. And then it's going to be destroyed after the Messiah. He says they're going to be the temple. The Messiah is going to come. And then the temple is destroyed. Well, the temple was standing in Rome's day. It's destroyed to this day. The Messiah had to have already come. So simple. See there at the next statement. Time of Messiah's coming. Daniel chapter 9 Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince. Now, Daniel and Ezekiel, see, they were living in Babylon. They were the two prophets during this period of time. Well, God spoke to Daniel. And here, about, you know, 600 B.C., you've got a man telling you that there's going to be a, a child going to be born. And he prophesied. And he told them how long it would be from the issuing of a decree. And so you have them leaving from Babylon, going back to their land, to Israel, building the walls and rebuilding the temple until the Messiah, he says, going to be 70 weeks total, 490 years, 490 years. He told them what was going to happen in advance. But he says now it's going to be about seven weeks to rebuild the temple, which would be 49 years. Seven sevens. One week is seven years. Seven sevens is 49 years. And so the time was set. And then he says this. Until the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks, three score, and two weeks at 69 weeks or 483 years. The streets shall be built again, and the walls in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be what? Because, you see, the other weeks have already been taken care of, building of the temple. 
And then after the temple, you got 62 more weeks. Up to that point, it was 434 years. Then you have another period of time that's going to take place. And he says, and shall Messiah be cut off? So he's telling you how long it's going to be. Messiah will come and he will be killed. And then the temple and all that will be destroyed again. Jesus Christ came. The temple was standing. It's not standing today. It's destroyed. The Messiah had to have come. The one that God talks about, his son coming into this world, happened just like God said. And when he came, they did not believe. And that's why in the book of uh, Luke in chapter 19, you knew not the day of God's visitation. When God came to visit the earth, he came in a bodily form. When Jesus walked the earth, that was God in the flesh. Because if people ever wanted to know, is there a true and living God? And if there is a true and living God, why don't he reveal himself? He did. But how would you know that is God? Unless he told you all this in advance about him. And isn't it something? Israel is a miracle nation. Israel was destroyed as a nation. Scattered upon the face of the earth, just like he promised in the book of Deuteronomy he was going to do with them. But he says in the last day, he says, they'll come back to the land. They've come back. After being out of the land for almost 2,000 years. I've been to Israel now nine times, eight or nine times, something like that. There is a real place. A real Israel. The real land. I've been there. I've walked on it. And it's surrounded by all these Muslim nations who got one goal. And that's to drive them into the sea. And only by the miracle hand of God watching over and protecting that people is reason they're not destroyed. But the Bible says in the last days, which is right ahead of us, God says the nations of the world, all nations shall come against Israel. And they're going to try to wipe them out. This is right in the future. And it names the places like, uh, you know, Russia and Iraq and Iran and Turkey and Ethiopia and a few other places. And they're the same ones that's on that same little list today that's against them. Just a coincidence. And it's something. This was written 3,000 years ago almost. And the world situation is lining up just like God said it was. Read the 38th and 39th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. It'll blow your mind. God tells you in advance what's going to happen. And so we're supposed to believe that if he was accurate on the first time he came, there's a good possibility he'll be right the next time he comes. Wouldn't you think so? I'm looking forward to the uppertaker, not the undertaker. I'm looking forward to the Lord coming back soon. I put it in red right in the middle of your page there. Messiah was to come and be cut off before the destruction of the second temple, which was destroyed by the Roman Titus in 70 AD. So that happened. The time he was killed, and then the temple and all was destroyed. That has been fulfilled. So the Messiah had to have come. And God says 
he would be born. And he would be born of a virgin. And the reason he had to be born of a virgin is because he couldn't have a human father. A human father would give him a sinful nature and Jesus would have sinned just like everybody else. That's why he says this child and the scripture that Jay read just at the beginning of our service talking about that holy thing is by the seed of the Holy Spirit didn't have an earthly father. But he was born in an earthly line. And so by Joseph being in the right line, and, you know, Mary, who was of the line also of David, but through the line of Nathan. He, Joseph, was of the line of David, but through Solomon and Jeconiah had a curse put upon him that none of his seed could ever set upon the throne of Israel. That's why it required a virgin birth. I mean, this story is awesome. A man could not have just sat down and said, I think I'm going to write a story. But it, this is the story. This is the greatest story in all the world. There's nothing like this story. Now look at the next scripture. In the 16th Psalm, David writing, and he tells about the Messiah. But what he says about the Messiah is that the Messiah is not going to stay in the grave. Whenever they came to him in the book of Matthew in chapter 12, and they said, we seek a sign. Give us a sign. And Jesus says, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, even so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So when Christ died on that cross, he left his body. And went to the place of paradise because he had just told the thief on the cross. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Not in the grave, not in the tomb, but in paradise. And so Jesus went to the place of paradise called Abraham's bosom. And when he came back from the dead, people came out of the graves. It's awesome. But he says this is going to happen. And he says, thou wilt not suffer thine holy one, Jesus, to see corruption. Because, see, corruption starts and on the fourth day. Jesus is going to come out three days later. The resurrection. His body did not see corruption. But that was mentioned back here in Psalm 16, verse 9 and 10. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoice. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou will not leave my soul in hell. The word hell here is Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades in the New Testament. Same place, meaning the place of the departed dead. So there was a compartment in the heart of the earth. And Bible talks about a place of torment and a place of paradise or Abraham's bosom. And they could see. And that's why the man that was in hell, Luke 16 says to Abraham, send Lazarus that he may come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. See, hell was not a state of mind. It was a real place. And the Bible says, when Jesus left, paradise is now in heaven. And that's why later on, whenever Paul was stoned to death, he says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, but such a one was caught up into the third heaven. Then he says, into the place of paradise.
So Jesus Christ was prophesied that he had come back from the dead third day after he was crucified and after he was placed into the grave. So now look at the next statement. The Messiah not to remain in the grave. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Because God says in the last days, all the nations are going to come against Israel. Because they're going to try to destroy that little group of people over there. Why has Israel been so persecuted all these years? Because when Christ was there, they said, let his blood be upon us and our children. They got their wish. And so God will use the nations of the world as a rod to whoop his people. And then God is going to come back himself. And he's going to have at the battle of Armageddon. He talks about sending forth the angels and they're going to go into the world and they grab these grapevines. See, the grapes are the people. And he's going to pull them into a great big old bowl. And then God's going to get in there and stomp these grapes with his feet. And the blood is going to rise as high as the horse's bridle. You see, there in the plains of Jezreel outside of um, Megiddo, there's a very long plain there. And the Bible says this is where the last battle of Armageddon is going to take place. And it's interesting that when you go there, they've got a plaque with that scripture reference on it. In Israel, where the last battle is to take place. They got it there. And so God is going to have this great battle of Armageddon. But that's why when the Lord comes back in power and great glory and every eye will see him. And when he comes back, see, that's the way they thought he was going to come the first time. But he didn't. He came meek and lowly as a lamb and led as a sheep to the slaughter. Because he was going to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. But now when he comes back the next time, now he's not coming back as a sheep. He's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So look there in the last verse here, 9 and 10. It shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And get this verse. This is about 500 years before Christ came. And it says, and they shall look upon me whom they have what? This is written before it ever happens. And if they're going to look upon me whom they have pierced. In other words, they crucified me. They killed me. They took my life. That's found in Zechariah chapter 13. And if they're going to look upon him, then there had to be a resurrection. True. And if there's a resurrection, that means that um, Jesus is in heaven. And that means that Jesus is coming back for them to see him. They shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, shall be in bitterness for him. In other words, here's God the Father. God the Father. He sent his son, and they took his son and crucified him. And Jesus was the revelation of the love that God had for the world. He came into the world because without him, Nobody could live forever with him in heaven. Nobody could have eternal life. And they took his son and they killed his son. And as a father mourns for his firstborn. There's people that's also 
experience losing a child in this life. Usually people don't, you know, clap their hands and rejoice. They, it brings great grief. I remember when a man took my first son, my firstborn. He took a hammer and killed him. And the blood all over the apartment where he fought for his life. But it says, they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn as a father mourns over the loss of his child. And God sent his son. And now he's sending him back again. And now Israel, who's on the verge of being totally annihilated, are going to see the one that they crucified. And in the book of Zechariah 13, it says, where did you get those Scars in your hands. Where'd you get those? He says, I got them in the house of my friends. I got them in the house of my friends. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came unto his own. His own received him not. He was rejected, and he was crucified. This same Jesus that we talk about, you know, that sweet little baby Jesus in Mary's arms. You can worship that baby and not go to heaven. That little baby grew up, lived a perfect life. No reason for him to die. The only person ever born that never had a real reason to die because of anything he had done wrong. But because he was perfect, he had broke no law. He didn't have to die. But because he so loved the world, and God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to die for the sins of all of mankind, came back from the dead and says, the only thing we have to do is believe he did that for us. This verse, many people quote it, my favorite verse, but I don't think they really get it. For God so loved the world. I don't have to try to tell you, well, that just means a certain group of people, blah, blah, blah. It means the world. It means everybody. God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, the only one, gave his son. That whosoever, anybody in the world, if they would believe that God gave him for him, God gave his son for me, he died for my sins. How I live has absolutely nothing to do with getting me to heaven. I can live bad and I can live good. How I live does not determine my destination. Impossible. You're not saved because of your works. That means you're not saved because of how you live. And any preacher who tells you you've got to live right, don't understand the Bible. Don't understand the gospel or the love of God. That whosoever believe it. That's the only thing we have to do because it's the only thing we can do. And so when I trusted Christ as my Savior 60 years ago almost, God put that payment he made to my account. And the reason I can't go to hell today because I have a payment for my sins. Christ was my payment. And the scars in his hands and his feet is the proof. He is my receipt, my living receipt. And he says, I'll never leave you and never flee. I always have my receipt with me everywhere I go. And you say, well, you committed that sin. You committed that sin. You committed him. Yeah, but he paid for it. He paid for it. He said, that's not right. I'm glad I don't have to worry about 
justice for me. I wanted mercy. He took my sins, gave me eternal life, and I'm going to heaven because of it. I serve the Lord today. This amazes how many people say, well, if I believe what you but I can go out here and live like the devil. I can. I most certainly can. And still go to heaven. Yes, of course, I'm still going to go to heaven. Like I said, I can't go to hell if I try. But I decided he loved me that much. And he'll never cast me out, never lose me. And I can trust him as my Savior and then still live like I please. I want to serve a God like that. And so for 59 years, I decided I want to serve him. But see, I don't serve the Lord to go to heaven. I serve the Lord because I love him. We love him because, because he loved us. So you're not going to heaven because you love God. I'm going to heaven because he loved me. And you can decide after you trust Christ to save whether to love God or not. I decided to love him. And because I love the Lord, serving the Lord is not hard. It's not hard to please the one you love. You see, if I had to try to serve him when I don't love him, then everything I'd do would be a hard, so hard, difficult. Nah. I know y'all understand what I'm saying. Y'all just look intelligent. Y'all just look so smart. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. But for us to pay for sin is death in hell because the wages of sin is death. We have to die and be separated from God. We can never get to God. Because our sins would always be keeping us from ever going to heaven. We would be eternally dying and never die. So God says he loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. Because righteous is God. Nobody's perfect. So God says you cannot save yourself. You can't work your way to heaven by your good deeds. You'll never be good enough to save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. The payment for the sins of the world has been paid. People go to hell because they reject the payments already been made. I accepted this payment. Others will reject it. Nobody can accept it for you. My wife, she may love me, but she can't do this for me. You will say, well, I'll do it for you. You can't do this for me because it's a personal thing between me and the Lord. And every person in this room, you have to trust Christ as your Savior. You weren't born a Christian. Well, I've always been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. There's a time whenever you have to trust the Lord. You may not remember the day or the hour or the very moment, but you know, there's a time when you did, as long as you know you did. And whenever you trust him as your Savior, he gives you eternal life. Now, if I have eternal life and a payment for all my sins, where am I going when I die? See, I couldn't go to hell. Why? I got a payment for my sins. You see, you don't deserve that. That's why he says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of Not of works. Why? Lest any man should boast. See, I can't stand here and boast I'm going to heaven because of how good I am. But if I was to say my going to heaven depends upon how I live, then I've got to boast about how good I am. And then I get the credit and God doesn't get the glory for that. The only reason I'm going to heaven because he gets all the honor, all the glory, all the credit. Because he did it all. 
All I had to do was believe him. So simple. And yet there's some people just can't believe that God meant what he said. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. And we're thankful so much for the true Christmas story. For the opportunity you've given us to know and understand that the greatest gift in all the world is the gift of eternal life. And you gave it to us freely by grace and grace alone. You deserve the honor and the glory. And we thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amazing grace amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amen.